Great. I wasn't expecting that. I was looking around at the congregation to see who we was going to thank. There you go. So, but it's been my privilege to do all of that and thank God for the health and strength that he's given me to enable me to do that. So, we have been looking at God's grand design over the past few weeks and looking at building a house and likening it to building a life. Remember that? And we've looked at the design, we've looked at foundations, we've looked at structure and definition of rooms. And I get to do this bit, which I think is the best bit. I chose this. The interior design. I like that bit. It's the fluffy bit, the wow bit. When you get to see the inside of a house, the style of it where the house begins to take on a personality and character and presents a picture of actually who lives there, where the mark of the owner is actually stamped on the house. And like we've said is, our lives are like the house. Our stamp is on them. All our little quirks and idiosyncrasies. I mean, I haven't got any because I'm perfectly normal. But we're all unique, aren't we? And as Christians, you know, we recognize our wrongdoing, don't we? And we have come to God and recognize that we can't actually do life without him and his help. And we've said we're going to stop doing our own thing and we choose to do life God's way. And when we do that, what happens is, incredibly, mind-blowingly, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul puts it like this. Your body is the temple, the dwelling place, the home of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself anymore, for God bought you with a high price. You know when you're an owner-occupier or a tenant of a house, and probably most of us are in this house today and listening We have our name on the deeds, don't we, or the tenancy agreement. And when we have that, we get to go in that property absolutely anywhere and everywhere. But when visitors come to our house, they can only go to the places that we choose to allow them to go. And it's absolutely dependent on the relationship that they have with the owner or the tenant. Now, we have lived in our house for 24 years and we have a beautiful home and we have four children who have lived there with us, but they have all flown the nest, which is lovely and I'm smiling about that. But they all come home regularly, frequently. And you know what happens is they come home and they feel free to go everywhere without asking. In they walk straight to the kitchen and one particularly male offspring goes straight to the fridge, opens the door and helps himself as if he still lives there and he's in the house today. 
not wanting to mention any names. But when we have guests for a meal, they're much more polite. They just come into the lounge as we direct them, and then they ask permission to go to other areas of their house when their need arises, like the bathroom. So where people go into a house depends on the level of intimacy they have with the relationship they have to the owner. And we've read, haven't we, that when we become Christians, that God bought us with a high price. We allowed his name to go onto the deeds of our lives. And the Holy Spirit moved in and lives in us. And just as wherever we go in our lives, we have free reign, so he wants to live in us and fill every part of our lives. But he is a gentleman and only goes where he is invited. And it may be that we have some no-entry signs to some of the rooms and spaces in our lives. Maybe we have only invited him into the living room of our house. And that might look like that we do things God way for some of the time. Maybe on a Sunday we come to church. We maybe even serve in church. But the rest of the week we do our own thing and we struggle along in that maybe, trying to work it out for ourselves. But you know the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be a special guest. He wants to live in our lives as if he really is on the title deeds. He wants entry to every area of our lives so that when he is, we actually are not restricting him and we are able then to experience what it is living life to the full. Or maybe it is um, when our children were little, I was working full time and really busy and we had lots of visitors coming to our house and um, I was pretty house proud but when I had visitors I didn't want them to think my house was a bit dirty so I would get out the duster and the hoover and I would clean probably only the areas of our house that those visitors would go to, the lounge, the kitchen, the bathroom. And our children got to click on to this and they would see me with the duster and the hoover and they would go, particularly the one who's in the room at the moment, would say, is someone coming? Cheekily. And I would get a little bit uppity about that, but actually realise that probably I was cleaning up for that purpose. And maybe we feel that we have to clean up our rooms in our lives before we allow the Holy Spirit to come in. Maybe we feel that there are some spaces in our lives that are just too messy and dirty and cluttered for him to be allowed in. And maybe we feel ashamed of them, of what is there. But the truth is that actually we can't clean up the areas in our lives by ourselves. We need him to do that for us. And the Bible tells us, Jesus says, to come to him just as we are. And we don't need to put up no entry signs on any areas of our lives. 
Or maybe it is that we don't want the Holy Spirit to access certain areas in our lives because we still want to have control over them ourselves. Maybe we still want to be master of them and make our own decisions. Maybe we feel if we allowed him to be master of them that it would restrict our lives and we would have to give up certain things that we don't want to. Maybe we don't want to hand over the whole of our lives to God in submission and surrender. But the truth is this, this beautiful phrase in the Bible, the message version says this, that God makes our lives complete when we place all the pieces before him. And one of the foundational verses in the Bible that we bring up time and time again here is Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul says these words, Take your ordinary everyday life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And why is that? Well, Paul tells us, because if we do that, you'll be changed from the inside out. And if we do that, God will bring the best out of you and develop well-formed maturity in you. And isn't that really what we want? And so the interior design of our lives changes as we allow the Holy Spirit full access in and to our lives. And we daily place our lives before God to live his way. Anyone been house hunting? Yes, all of us, I reckon. And it's a really exciting as well as an anxiety-provoking process because you can never find the perfect property. But I want to look at that process today and apply it so that we can identify in our own lives the interior design that we can present and learn from this process and how we can make improvements to our own lives. And actually two of our children, Beth and Hannah, are actually doing that process at the moment. They're buying new houses. And I get to go along with them to view because they go, Mom, come and tell us of your experience, what you think. And it's lovely. I am excited by it. And we have seen a range of houses in various states of decor and repair. And I'm just going to leave it there for your imagination. But I've got four factors I just want to look at that will help us to look at houses and our lives so that we can improve this interior design of our lives. And the first thing is the feel of a house. Do you know what I mean by the feel? The atmosphere, the vibes, the sensation that a house gives off, even from the outside before you even enter it you like it or not. And when you get in, it feels comfortable or not. That gut feeling that you get. You know, the lighting can help. If it's light and airy, it feels happy and cheerful. Or if the lighting's not so good, it's dark. It feels a bit oppressive and hopeless and can even make you shiver and it's not even cold. 
The temperature can make a difference as well. If it's warm, it feels positive and welcoming. Or if it's cold, it gives you a really negative feel. But what kind of feel do our lives give to others? Whether they be just acquaintances, people standing next to you in a queue at the supermarket or the bus stop, or even close friends. Because we do give off a feel to people, whether we like to think it or not. And I've turned to the book of Galatians 5, where Paul talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit is evidence of us living God's way. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all feel-good factors, aren't they? There's nothing like being with a friend who is faithful and kind. They make you feel good. But there's also, in that chapter of Galatians, fruits described by living out our own way all the time. Quarreling, jealousy, anger outbursts, selfishness, division, Envy, rebellion. Did you know that you can feel strife? Have you ever walked into a room when a couple are in the middle of an argument or have just had one? It feels uncomfortable. You can cut the atmosphere with a knife. And what's on the inside of a person comes out. And if jealousy and anger and rebellion is on the inside, it will come out in speech and body language and behavior and habits. And it can be seen and felt. And you know, people make a decision on buying a house by the feel of it. And if they go into a house and say, I'm not feeling this, they will walk away. Likewise with our lives. Do people want to be around us? The fruits of the Holy Spirit need to be evidence in our lives. And we need to give off that feel of hope and life and love so that people will know who we belong to and who lives and dwells in us. So that's the first factor, the feel factor. The second factor is the fragrance of a house. And I remember when we were buying our first home many, many years ago. And I remember Maxine saying to us, the best way to sell a house is to have the fragrance of baking bread in the house. Now, if you like bread, there is nothing like the fragrance of fresh bread. Anyone like fresh bread? Oh, it does something to you, doesn't it? 
the hunger pangs start. Well, not many of us bake our own bread these days, but it's just that concept of having a positive fragrance in your house that will catch that person when they come in it to go, oh, this smells nice. I like this house. Whether it's fresh bread or the smell of flowers or whatever it is, wouldn't you put that fragrance there to capture them? But I have to say, I've been into some houses just recently where that positive fragrance has not been there. In fact, it's been negative. We've had that stale, dirty smell. In fact, as you've gone into the porch, someone have left their dirty, smelly trainers. There is nothing like the smell of someone's smelly trainers. And when you walk into a house, you know who the inhabitants are, human and animal. And you know what the habits of people are in that house. Our habits betrayers. For example, if people smoke, you can smell that on everything. I remember many years ago when I was health visiting, I visited a lady who was blind, totally blind, and she had a baby, and I visited regularly. So she got used to me, and one day I saw her in the street, and I went up to her, and I said, hello, and I was just about to say to her, it's Jackie, when she turned around and said, hello, Jackie, and I was astounded that she recognized me just by my voice saying hello and I said how did you know it was me and she turned and said I knew you by your perfume because you always wear that one and there is something about us we give off a fragrance and Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2 14 through us God brings knowledge of Christ That's a pretty awesome statement. Pretty big responsibility too. And then he goes on to say that everywhere we go, people breathe in that exquisite fragrance. And because of Christ in us, we give off a sweet scent rising to God which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. We carry a fragrance with us wherever we go. And our habits, whether they're good or bad, linger on us. And we deposit them, even unknowingly or unwantedly, We deposit them wherever we go and whoever we are with. And we have a responsibility for carrying a fragrance of Christ into our world. It's a sweet scent. It's a scent that is full of life. And we have a responsibility for cultivating that fragrance. And then when we look at buying a house, we need to look at the flow in a house. What do I mean by that? Well, rooms in a house that fit with each other. 
where we can actually identify a style. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's 70s decor with bright colors and furnishings, or whether it's minimalistic with not much furniture and it's all clean cut. But there must be an obvious designer at work. And we've all got different personalities, and that is okay. But it's important that all of the home is designed by the same person. Because if it's not, it feels strange when there are different and opposing styles present. They clash. And it's really off-putting. And I went to see a house with Hannah just recently. And we went into the house and just in the downstairs of it, in three rooms, there were three totally different styles. And it was weird. So weird that we couldn't actually see beyond that. It just confused us. And on paper that the estate agent gave us, this house had the right dimensions, it was in the right location, but when we went to it, it just didn't flow. There was no fit, there was no integrity in this house. And in our lives, there has to be a flow, an integrity, a fit. And the wise man in Proverbs 3, 3 says, let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. And that is how you will find favor and understanding with both God and men. And you will gain the reputation of living life well. So all areas of our life needs to fit and flow together. No clash of styles. The obvious hand of our master designer needs to be seen at work. Do you know people will know when you're living your way and not God's way? Because they will turn around and say, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. No dark secret places hidden away, not yet disclosed to the hand of the designer. Our master designer needs to have access to all areas of our life so that there is that perfect feel and fit and flow. And then finally, we have favor. What do I mean by favor? I mean this. It's about approval, a response of, oh, I like this. This is good. And you know, when you go up to a house, you can like it without even knowing a lot about it. A first response, there's just something about this that I like. You haven't had an opportunity to analyze it. It's just that first impression. But also, you can have a first impression of disapproval. Oh, I don't like this. And actually, I don't want to go in it. And people can have that about our lives. There's something about you that I like. Or there's something about you that, mm, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to know you. How can we live with favor? I can't actually talk about favor without mentioning the word grace or the concept grace. What is grace? It's that undeserved favor of God where God gives us all good things that we do not deserve 
And Ephesians 2.5 tells us that even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. And we only come to relationship with God by grace, his undeserved favour. And then he goes on in Romans 6, 14 to say that you are not governed by law, but by the reign of the grace of God. So it's not just a one-off experience of grace, but it's a constant, ongoing, daily outpouring of God's grace on our lives, living with the favour of God. Not under law, having to follow a list of rules and regulations to get God's favour, because we would fail. But no, it's under grace, his undeserved favour. And the more we open our lives to him, the more grace he lavishes on us. And the more favour we receive and experience and carry into our world. It's God's gift to us, his favour. But we can get more favour, how can we? We've already said it before, by living with integrity. Let your life be shaped by integrity. That's how you will find favour and understanding with God and men and gain the reputation of living life well. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. How tempting it is not to when no one's watching. It's about what's seen on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. Honesty and uprightness and honourableness. And a life shaped by integrity finds favour. Not just with God, but with people. People aspire to having someone who is living life well. Because that's what we all want to do. Live this life that we only get once, living it well. And finally, we get more favour by honouring God. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honour God with everything you own. Give him the first and the blessed. And every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings. The evidence of favour is a life overflowing with blessings. You want that? Then honour God. Put him first in your life. So let's see the design and style of our lives change as we allow the Holy Spirit full access in and to our lives. And we daily place our lives before God to live his way and not ours. So that we will be changed from the inside out as God brings the best out of us and mature us. And then we will have lives that are positive, hope-filled feel. We have a sweet fragrance of life about us. 
there'll be a flow to our lives with the mark of the master designer seen and the favor of God is ever increasing as we experience his daily grace we live with integrity and we honor God by putting him first in our lives amen let's pray shall we Do you know you may not actually have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. That only happens when you realize that living your own way is not good and you've messed up and you need to be in relationship with God. And you only can do that by coming through Jesus who died for you on the cross and saying, I don't want to live my life my way anymore, but I want to give my life to you, God, to live your way. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come into my life, and I want to live for you, God, and put you first. And if that's you today, either in this house or watching, you can do that right now and it can happen in an instant. And you can say this prayer with me. Father God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. And I don't want to live my life my way anymore. But I want to live your way. Please come into my life. Take away all the wrongdoing. Make me clean. Holy Spirit. Come in and have rule. Be master of my life. Every day I will live for you. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer in the house today, just want you to signify by raising your hand and we'll come and help you and pray with you later. Is there anyone? Thank you. But it may be that there are in us today areas and rooms in our life that we haven't yet opened to the Holy Spirit. He wants to be in every area of our lives so that we can live life to the full. Maybe we still want some control. Maybe we think areas are too messy, too broken. But today he wants to be master of our lives so that we can live full and free. Just right where you are right now, allow him access to those places where you've kept hold of. Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth and life. We pray that you will accomplish all that you have set it to do. We pray that you will bring life and freedom to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>